0: And please, uh, please take out your Bibles uh, and have that, um, that passage from Acts 17 open. That would be very helpful. It uh, will come up on the screen also. And as uh, Jenny pointed out, it's printed on the back of the, uh, the notice sheet. Let me pray with me. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank and praise you that you have not left us in the dark. Un- unable to know you, but you have made yourself known. You've come into this world, Lord Jesus, and you have revealed the unknown God, your Father, our Father, and that we can know you through your word. Father, we ask that you'd help us now as we reflect on this part of your word. Please give us insight and understanding and help us to respond to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we, uh, we hate injustice. We hate injustice. Right from when uh, we're, we're small children, we we home in on it and, and we, we just can't stand injustice. I mean, you remember that time when your brother or sister ate your chocolate Easter egg and got away with it? Oh, the injustice. Or there was that time where, you, where your older and more cunning sibling knew just how to craft things so that... When mum's favourite vase got broken, somehow you copped the blame. Oh, the injustice. Well, that time when your younger sibling, who has, of course, mastered the art of manipulation, as only younger siblings have, (laughs) they spun that story so that mum believed, believed it and landed you in trouble. Oh, the injustice. Well, that time that you got busted at school for mucking up and you landed in detention and yet the kid who started it got off scot-free. And it continues throughout life. When the boss at, uh, at work makes dodgy and corrupt decisions that further his own selfish gain but is also clever enough to, to not get caught, we hate it. When the courts fail to uphold justice and the murderer or rapist escapes a heavy sentence... Or on the world stage, when a political leader orders the use of chemical weapons against his own people, causing unspeakable suffering, we just can't stomach it. We hate it. Or when someone close to us mistreats us and fails to acknowledge or deal with it properly, we, we just have to carry it. It's, it's not right and we hate injustice. And as much as we we strive for justice, we strive for that to be upheld all too often in life, in our own lives, throughout society, across the world, justice is often not done. Despite our efforts to bring justice all too often, it doesn't happen. And people move through life and they go to the grave without seeing justice done. And when we see that, we, we rightly hate it. We may even cry out, God, why won't you bring justice? Well, friends, the good news from today's Bible passage is that God has promised that he will bring justice. Things won't go on forever, one injustice after another. No, that verse that, uh, that we, we uh, sang before, uh, it tells us, uh, chapter 17, verse 31, I'll spare you the actions. It says, therefore he, that is God, has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. This says there is a day coming. God has set a day. It will happen. The day is set. Injustice won't go on forever. And on that day, God will judge the world. That is, there is a higher authority to whom all people are accountable. Even those who appear to escape justice elude it in this world. They won't escape. They won't escape justice on that day. God will judge the world. Notice it says that he will do it with justice. Perfect justice will be done. There won't be technicalities, corrupt authorities, lack of evidence, information withheld, unclear motives. There'll be none of that. God will judge perfectly. With all knowledge, with complete justice. And he'll do it by the man he has appointed. That is Jesus. Now people maybe don't often think of Jesus as the judge. People often like to think of Jesus as, um, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Cuddling a little nice fluffy lamb. It's a caricature. It's a caricature of the Jesus that's actually presented to us in the Bible. You yeah, have, have a read through any of the Gospels, you'll see that the Jesus in the Bible, the actual Jesus, is really quite different. I mean Jesus, for example, is the one who, who saw straight through the hypocrisies of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and, and he didn't mince words. He said things like, "Woe to you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites." You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. It says later on, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? This is Jesus speaking, Jesus, God's appointed judge. Yes, he he is ready and willing to be our Savior too. He is He is compassionate, He's gracious, He's loving. Jesus also said things such as this: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, Jesus is compassionate. He will be our refuge through judgment if we come to him, if we trust in him. But he is also God's appointed judge. As Peter says earlier in the book of Acts, in Acts 10.42, Peter said he, that is Jesus, is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. In John 5.22, it says that the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And at the end of uh, Matthew 25, Jesus is spoken of as the, the Son of Man who comes in glory to judge all people. And it says, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And if you're wondering in the face of that how, how you can be ready for that day, it's your response to Jesus. That's, that's, what, that's what will determine how we are judged. God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Injustice won't go on forever. Justice will come. But how do we know this? I mean, is this just kind of a nice and comforting and reassuring idea? You know, bad stuff happens now, but, but take comfort in the thought that the God will sort it out in the end. I mean, that is a comforting thought. How do we know it's not just kind of wishful thinking? Where's the proof that, uh, that this great day of reckoning will come? Well, the end of that verse, verse 31, tells us, it says, He, that is God, has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, that is Jesus, from the dead. God's proof of the coming judgment day is Jesus' resurrection. Now, how does that work? I mean, how does Jesus rising from the dead? How does that prove that He will judge the world? I mean, we don't normally kind of think in these in this way. I mean, we don't normally think. Well, we think things like Jesus' resurrection. Well, that um, that proves that God exists, doesn't it? You know, if someone says to you, "How do I? How can I know that God exists?" Well, we say, "Well, look at the resurrection. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, you know, God God exists." I mean. We can point to the evidence and show them how that, that actually happened, that that's a fact, and, and then draw this conclusion, well, therefore, God exists. Or maybe we say, well, Jesus' resurrection proves that Jesus is divine, that he has God's power, I and mean, he defeated death, so he, he must have the power of God. Now, Jesus' resurrection may be helpful to, to prove those things, that God exists, that he has God's power, but that's not what the Bible says here in Acts 17 in Paul's speech to the Areopagus in Athens. He says, Jesus' resurrection proves that the day of judgment is coming. How? Well, Jesus' resurrection, that's the window into the coming age beyond this world. And the Bible teaches that, that this world is not all there is, that death is not the end, but beyond death is a new world, is the new creation, is the new resurrection age. And that age begins with judgment. Uh, We see this taught throughout the scriptures. For example, in Psalm 16, David speaks of the hope beyond the grave. He says this, Therefore my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life, You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David spoke of of this coming resurrection. Or in Daniel uh, chapter 12, verse 2, it speaks of the the coming day of, of resurrection and judgment. It says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Resurrection and then judgment. Similarly, in John 5, says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. The great coming day of, of resurrection, when all will arise, will be a day of judgment. This world is not all there is. The injustices that happen in this world and then go to the grave are not unanswered because there is a new resurrection age in the kingdom of God beyond this world and there is a new resurrected king over the kingdom of God beyond this world. He is the man whom God has appointed to judge the world with justice and by raising him from the dead, God declared that he is the one. He is the ruling, judging king over all. And in the coming resurrected and eternal kingdom of God, he will judge and he will rule. So Jesus' resurrection, what it does for us, it gives us a window into the age to come and it shows us that he is the king over all. He is the one who will bring perfect justice. Now that's good news. That is really good news. It means that as we live in this world It's not just a a meaningless, chaotic place where bad people seem to get their way all all too often, where the best we can hope for is just to try to grin and bear it or to eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. No, there is a day of reckoning. There is a day beyond this life. There's a glorious, eternal age to come where perfect justice will always be done. And there's a perfect, just and powerful king who will rule over all, both on that day of reckoning and for all eternity. That's good news. But it also has a significant implication for us because it should cause us to to ask and to consider where we stand in relation to that king. Because God's great day of reckoning will actually include you and me. We are, as it says just before this, in verse 29, we are God's offspring. We're his creation. He made us. We saw last week that he sustains us. He rules over us. He is God over us. And so when we we ignore him, when we chase around after other things and the things of this world and the things of, of this creation, that actually puts us on the wrong side of his judgment. And if we continue in that way, then we will be judged. We will be condemned. And so God graciously warns us. As Paul warned those in Athens, in verse 30, it says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, chasing around after other things, ignoring, disobeying God. God overlooked that. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. God commands us. To repent. Repent's kind of one of those um, funny religious words, but it simply means to stop and turn around, to change, to change our, our thinking, to change our actions, to, to turn away from the ignorance of serving false gods and worshipping the things of life in this world, to turn from that and to trust and believe and follow Jesus as king, as ruler in our lives. God commands this and he graciously gives us the opportunity now to repent before that coming day of judgment. He's paved the way for us to do that. In his incredible mercy, Jesus has come and has stood in our place by dying for us and bearing the judgment against our sin for us. He took that so that we can be spared on that day of judgment if we trust in him. But God warns us to repent, because that day is coming. And he's given proof of that by raising Jesus from the dead. Now, when Paul said this in the, uh, in the Areopagus in Athens, there was a, a mixed response amongst them. And there has been ever since. Whenever the gospel of Jesus is preached, there's a mixed response. As I preach the gospel of Jesus today, I expect there will be a Mixed response. It says here that some mocked and sneered. Verse 32, it says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Resurrection of the dead. Don't be ridiculous. Dead people generally don't come back to life. But that's the point. The fact that Jesus did come back to life shows us that what's happening is is not a regular run-of-the-mill event. Rather, this is the new age of the kingdom of God breaking into this world, showing us, waking us up, proving to us what's to come. Yet some are blind to it. Some just sneer, mock, remain unmoved in their commitment to this what-you-see-is-what-you-get view of the world, the materialist view. Oh, I don't know every one of you. There may be some here this morning who respond like this, this talk of Jesus' resurrection. It seems like fairy tales. I hope that's not you. Secondly, in Athens, there were others who, who said, we want to hear more. Verse 32, it says they're halfway through, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. That is, they don't just mock Paul, write him off as some kind of loony. They say we want to find out more. Were they genuinely interested in finding out more? They just they just needed some more convincing, maybe. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're interested. You're intrigued by this you know, this news of Jesus, but you, 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 you want to find out more. If that's you. And can I encourage you to do that, to, to find out more? Get hold of a Bible. Um, if you don't have a Bible, hop online and go to Bible Gateway. Read through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Read for yourself the, the, the first-hand account of Jesus' life. Or we, we have a, a, a short course coming up in a couple of weeks called Explaining Christianity. It's a, a series of four Thursday nights. and You can come along. You can hear a Have a nice meal together, hear a presentation, opportunity for questions. Come along, find out more. If you're thinking, I should look into this some more, then do it. Don't just say that to yourself as a kind of polite way of dismissing God's command to repent. (laughs) I should do that, but I'll just put it off to a rainy day. Now, I say that because I wonder if that's actually what was going on. For Paul's listeners, some said, we want to hear you again on this subject. But notice what Paul did next. Verse 33, at that, Paul left the council. See, were they actually just dismissing Paul politely? I mean, they weren't weren't sneering like like the others, but then neither were they defending Paul against the sneerers and saying, "No, no, 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 please continue. We want to hear more. They just said, in effect, well, this has got a little bit of controversial, you know, this whole resurrection and judgment thing. Let's, let's wrap things up and, and let's pick things up again another time. Was it genuine interest or was it polite dismissal? In one sense, it doesn't really matter to us who it was in, in the case of the people, the people in Athens. What matters is what you and I do with this. How do we respond? Are, are we genuinely interested to find out more? if so if that's you then do it find out more don't just politely dismiss it and say oh, i should look into that someday maybe maybe when i'm older maybe maybe next easter for those in athens this was their opportunity paul left the council shortly after that he left athens if you know that you need to look into this then do it now is your opportunity don't delay because you don't know when the judgment day will come. Third response. Some believed. Uh, some sneered. Some showed interest. Some believed. It says verse 34. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Some believed. They became followers. And I expect this is a response of many of us here this morning. You've heard this news of Jesus. Maybe you heard it years ago. This news of of the resurrected king, the judge over God's kingdom. And and you've put your trust in him to to not only be your king and and ruler, but also to be your savior, to be the one to save you through that coming judgment. You've repented And you continue to repent and trust in Jesus. If that's your response, well, that means you can live life now at peace with God, forgiven by him. And and even when we, we see, when we experience injustice in this world, we can look forward to that day when God's kingdom comes in all its fullness, all its perfection, that day where there will be no more injustice, no more suffering, when all things will be set right and we'll be with Jesus we will be with the great and perfect judge and king over God's eternal kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus. What a blessing. What a a privilege to know and believe in Jesus. I just want to encourage you on this, this day to rejoice in that, to thank God, to rest in him. Especially on this day we remember how God raised him to life and appointed him as the judge, as the king. But maybe there are some here this morning who, who are like Dionysus and Damaris. Maybe you, you realise that you need to and that you want to respond to God's command to repent. That's your I want to show you how you can how you can do that. Uh, inside your handout, there's a uh, there's a prayer at the bottom right hand corner. There, a prayer that's printed that you could pray to. Repent. Uh, the prayer is on the screen as well. It'll come up there. It, this is a prayer to turn from living against God and to turn to trust and follow God. It's, uh, I'll read through the prayer. It says this, Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that He rose from the dead to give me new life. And here's the prayer of the prayer please forgive me and change me, that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that um, in your heart to God. I'm going to pray it a line at the time. And if, if you want to pray this to, to repent, to turn from living against God to, to trusting in Jesus as your King, trusting in the King as your king, then you can pray this with me. Just in the, in the quietness of your own mind, repeat it to God as we pray. I ask everyone to bow your heads and uh, let's talk to God. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me, that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me, that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen. I want to say if, if you've prayed that prayer and uh, if that's your prayer, then God has heard that and he has welcomed you home. He has answered that prayer of forgiving you and changing you. And that's a great thing. It says in the, in the scripture that the angels rejoice when one sinner turns back to our Heavenly Father. Uh, and I want to say to you, um, get some help in, in working out what it means to live. As, uh, as a Christian, to live with Jesus as your King and Saviour. You can do that by indicating that on the, the communication card, which we'll fill out in a moment, or grab me afterwards and have a chat to me or talk to a Christian friend. Uh, but we'd love to, to help you to work out well, what does that mean? How do I do this? How do I live with Jesus as my King, as my Ruler?